Okay, so this is the uh, second in a series of perhaps three, four, I'm not quite sure how many uh, talks in which we are looking at the, uh, the Divine Liturgy, the Holy Eucharist. The, uh, of course, the main uh, service and uh, sacrament of the Church. <clears throat> How many of you weren't here last time at the first one? Okay, good. So I don't need to recap, but uh, well, do you remember what did we talk about last time? This comedian. Yes. Yeah, what's that? It's a service before the liturgy. Yes. It's when you prepare and when you uh, take the uh, pieces out of the prosperous and put it into the cup so people can commemorate the names individually. That's how I am. Okay. The, uh, it's the service of preparation when we prepare the holy gifts, the bread and wine, in, in a very in a special way. Uh, the part of us that we take out in commemoration of the people who uh, to pray for, uh, these are placed on the uh, discos from the pattern right, next to the uh, big cube for the lamb, and after the communion they are put into the chalice. Mm -hmm. okay. So um, now we will start with the beginning of the uh, liturgy proper, when uh, the priest uh, takes the Holy Gospel, says. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the Father replied, Amen. The, in a way, this is the, uh, the opening, the announcement of uh, what this is all about. It's about the kingdom of God. And as we shall see, in the liturgy itself we don't simply think about the kingdom of God speak about the kingdom of God we in a, a mystical but very real sense become part of the kingdom of God I want to say a few words uh, uh, in general before looking in more detail at the individual prayers and actions uh, of the liturgy uh, to, just to help us to get the context and uh, a sort of overview because the divine liturgy in the form which we have it today is a very uh, wonderful, beautiful uh, quite elaborate and complex service. Uh, 
and in order to help us to understand a little bit more what it's about, what is going on, we need to break it down a little bit. There's a danger in that analytical approach. Uh, it's a bit like, it could be like when you're studying anatomy and you dissect, you know, to see all the bits and actually, you know, what you have at the end of the day is not the living body. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we will take a chance on that. Uh, we already spoke about the, the, sec the first part, the preliminary part, the proscomedia. In the main part of the liturgy, we can divide it, uh, broadly speaking, into two parts. Uh, these are called uh, uh, the first part, the liturgy of the catechumens, and the second part, the liturgy of the faithful. Let me explain a little bit why. Uh, and the, the dividing point uh, is after the uh, litany for the catechumens, which is uh, said, it's the second litany after the reading of the gospel. When the catechumens uh, were the people, are the people. Uh, we have two here present with us, yes. uh, who are preparing to enter the church, uh, be it through baptism, be it through you know, present practice of uh, chrismation of people who are baptized in other confessions. Uh, the, the word catechumen comes from the, well, it's basically a borrowed Greek word. Does anybody know what it means? What, what's, what does catechumen mean? A is somebody who was announced. I don't know, it's like you, you translation. Uh, you are thinking in modern Russian instead of Church Slavonic. <laughs> Any other guesses? What is a catechumen? Okay. Uh, well, I'd like to tell you. <laughs> Uh, let's give it to you. you um, does anyone know what uh, catechesis is? The basics of their religion. You know, the, the teaching. The basically. teaching. Yeah. Good. So if catechesis is teaching, and the catechumen is the student. Yeah, the one who is learning. And in this sense, Oglasheni uh, means somebody who is being taught. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was the uh, practice in the ancient church uh, when people converted, came to faith in Christ uh, and wanted to become part of the body of Christ, that is the church, for them to undergo a very quite uh, serious and uh, in many cases quite lengthy period of preparation during which they would uh, be taught what Christianity uh, is. Uh, bearing, you have to bear in mind that uh, mostly they were uh, uh, pagans. So they had a, a lot to learn because Christianity is a lot more, shall I say, 
different from paganism than from Judaism. Because the, uh, the Jewish faith, the Jewish people, have re- had already been prepared by God through many centuries for the coming of the Messiah, Christ. Uh, they were the chosen uh, people. Uh, but the pagans had no such uh, preparation. They had uh, a lot to learn. Uh, and so, uh, if we speak about the time, perhaps in the 4th, 5th century, uh, well, maybe earlier, 3rd, 4th century, the catechesis could last um, one year to two years, even up to uh, three years. It culminated with the uh, period of the 40-day fast before uh, Easter, in which, because the baptisms were basically performed only at Easter in those days. Uh, And the catechumens had to uh, register uh, and undergo a final period of intensive preparation during the fast. What's that got to do with the liturgy? Well, uh, it's important because uh, only those who are all baptized members of the church were allowed, and to this day, are allowed to receive the Holy Communion. This is uh, practiced from the beginning with this right, <coughs> ancient text. Uh, that is expressed. Yeah, I can just. Yes, I, I think I mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. It's from uh, a book, a uh, writing of a saint called Saint Justin the Martyr, who's writing in the beginning of the, uh, or the first part of the second century. Uh, he says, uh, this uh, food is called among us the Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake except the person who believes that the things which we teach are true, uh, who has been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins and unto regeneration, it means baptized, and who is so living as Christ has enjoined. And he goes on to explain that this is not ordinary bread and wine, this is uh, the body and blood of uh, Christ. And if the uh, catechumen, or if no one who is not baptized, uh, including the catechumens, can partake of the Holy Eucharist, then it followed absolutely logically in those days that they could not even be present at the Eucharist, the celebration of the Eucharist. Uh, Because uh, it was unthinkable uh, that somebody uh, uh, who... 
could receive would be present at the celebration and not receive. In the early church, uh, everyone uh, who was baptized, who came to the liturgy, came uh, to the Holy Communion. Uh, and so, uh, if the catechumens, the non-baptized, could not be present at the Eucharist, what could they be present at? Well, uh, this is where we come to the division uh, of the uh, liturgy into two main uh, parts. The first part uh, is where we have uh, a lot of prayers, uh, reading of chanting of psalms, uh, readings from the uh, Holy Scriptures, the Epistle and the Gospel, uh, a sermon, and so on. All this, uh, and only after that, do we actually have the celebration of the Eucharist properly so-called. The prayer of the Anaphora, the uh, the great thanksgiving and the invocation of the Holy Spirit, and so on. Uh, and so it was, the, this is why the catechumens could and had to be present during the first part, but not the second part. How did the liturgy then acquire this two-part uh, structure? It seems to be something like this. If you uh, study the uh, liturgy and compare it with what we know of the, uh, the worship uh, of the Jewish synagogue, the first part is clearly based on the synagogue worship. What do they do in the synagogue? They uh, pray, they read the, the, the Psalms, they uh, have readings from the Torah, from the law. Uh, and right at the beginning of the church, the uh, believers were still, who were Jewish, yeah, uh, were still participating in that uh, prayer of the synagogue and the uh, attending the temple for that matter. We can read about that in the Acts of the Apostles. They were continuing the, in the temple praising and uh, blessing God. But, and quite separately, they practiced what was called then the breaking of bread. That is, the Eucharist. Just among themselves. Read in the uh, Acts of the Apostles. just on the day of Pentecost or immediately afterwards, Acts chapter 2 verse uh, 40, 
42 and following says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Forty-six, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So there's a very clear distinction. The common prayer in the temple, the Eucharist privately. In houses, of course. Eucharist, uh, again another uh, Greek word, uh, means thanksgiving. I don't if any of you know the in modern Greek, the word Eucharisto means thank you. This is the same word, you, you, from which we get Eucharist. And as we shall see, especially when we come to the second part of the liturgy, it's all about thanksgiving. Same time you mentioned it's private. It was private, but house to house, it means like just. Well, uh, it would be like. Uh, so it wasn't a fixed uh, location. Yes. So they would presumably they would agree that you know uh, this Sunday we will have the Eucharist in your house, and next Sunday in your house. Yeah, and after that in Ed's house. You know, so it doesn't have to be the church then. You're Look, there are no churches at this time. Mm. But like nowadays I know that a priest cannot celebrate Eucharist if he doesn't have anti-means and special things. So at that time it wasn't like this, yes? So I guess. The, uh, that's something which uh, developed in the... Mm. Uh, uh, in the... Uh, well... Probably quite early on, um, because what we're reading about in Acts is the very first uh, period of the church's life in Jerusalem. Uh, a little later on, um, when the church began to be persecuted, it went literally underground. Uh, and they began to celebrate uh, the Eucharist in the uh, uh, on the tombs uh, of the martyrs, which very often were in uh, catacombs, that sort of underground cemeteries. If you go to Rome, you can still uh, go and visit these places. And from the practice of celebrating the liturgy on the tombs, on the relics of the martyrs, came the practice of the antimes. So if you don't, well, first of all, of uh, placing relics uh, of the martyrs in the altar table at the time when churches, later on churches, began to be built. But at the same time, because there weren't churches everywhere, uh, sometimes they were closed and so on, so the practice uh, of sewing a small piece of relic into a cloth 
which could easily be carried around, uh, so that the priest can celebrate the Eucharist anywhere. Because you have, oh, I can make this table you know, into a holy table by just putting the antimins on it. Next time I'll, uh, I will show you again. <coughs> and then let's come back to the point. Uh, no, it doesn't belong to the priest personally. It belongs to the. Uh, it's it's for the parish where he's celebrating. So that uh, after the uh, the Jewish Christians were basically were thrown out from the synagogues, and again you can uh, read about this in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, then they began to, uh, it looks like that, that they simply transferred the uh, synagogue of tem uh, prayers uh, to the Eucharist and made it into one uh, celebration. We don't know very much in detail about when and how that uh, happened, but from the historical records of people like uh, Justin Martyr, Ignatius of Antioch, uh, and so on, uh, it was, that process had probably happened in most places by the end of the first century. Uh, maybe So, in brief, that, that's the major division or distinction within the uh, liturgy into these two parts, the liturgy of the catechumens uh, and the liturgy of the faithful, as this, though the Eucharist proper. Uh, in the Western tradition, these more or less, uh, the same division is expressed by the terms the liturgy of the Word, that is, the Word of God, the Scriptures, and the liturgy of the sacrament, the Eucharist proper. So, uh, so much by way of uh, context. We begin, as I said, with this uh, exclamation, Blessed is the kingdom of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the first uh, prayer uh, is the litany, the great litany or the litany uh, of peace in Russian, Mirnaya uh, Viktimia. And in this uh, which is uh, recited by the deacon if there is one uh, or by the priest if there isn't and answering by the choir we have a, a really wide ranging uh, prayer of intercession for the, uh, for the whole 
world. Does anyone remember what is the very first uh, petition? In peace let us pray to the Lord. Thank you. But can I ask a question? Because in, in Russian it is Mira. So if you would translate it literally, it means like with the whole world let us pray. You know, it's like Mira. So is it like in peace? So like with the peace of soul? Or whether it's like with the whole world? Like all of us, let us pray. Okay, this is a, a linguistic problem. But uh, I won't... Uh, what was the right meaning, just you know, so because when it's just when it is a bit difficult to translate to Russian. We we uh, let me come to this in the second petition. We see this more clearly. So uh, the point, the first uh, uh, petition is that we would have peace in which to pray to God. Yes. Uh, because uh, we cannot pray you know, without a certain inner quietness. If we are distracted, and anyone who tries to pray will very quickly discover uh, the problem of distractions in prayer. Yeah? Uh, you can be <laughs> reading the prayers absolutely accurately and your mind can be somewhere else completely or your heart can be upset yeah. peace is uh, a very fundamental spiritual concept remember when Christ uh, appeared to the apostles yeah. after the resurrection yeah. in the upper room. What did he say? Peace be with you. And it's this peace of Christ that we uh, we are asking for. Uh, and the response is Lord. And with thy spirit. No, uh, okay, but that's when the priest gives him the liturgy, yeah? But, uh, how's it go? Miram Gospodu Pomolimsya. In peace let us pray to the Lord. Okay, good. Lord have mercy. Gospodi Pamila. Kirie Eliason. In Greek. Ah, we're thinking about this. What are we asking for here? What is this? Mercy that we are praying for over and over and over again. Yes, I don't know how many times we repeat, uh, Lord have mercy, uh, not only in the uh, liturgy but the other uh, services, vespers, matins. We just uh, we just celebrated this service. Uh, hundreds of Lord have mercy. Conventionally, uh, if we speak about mercy, what do we mean? Crime. Crime and punishment. Yeah. yeah? You are guilty, you are convicted, you're about to be sentenced, and you ask for mercy. Yeah? Uh, to be 
let off. But the concept of, of mercy in, this, in the spiritual sense, in the church sense, is something uh, rather different. Uh, yes, it is true that we are sinners, that we uh, need the mercy of uh, God. But, uh, again, the, uh, the word uh, in Greek... Yeah, and just bear in mind that uh, Greek is the original language of the uh, Gospels, the New Testament, and uh, most of the early church and a large part of the church to this day. The word edison. Uh, just this is, uh, it seems to be uh, connected to the word for oil, ideos, and it rather conveys the, uh, in, in the with that north the impression of something soothing, uh, healing. This is a, a traditional property of oil. As it were, God's uh, grace being poured out uh, upon us, or His goodness and love uh, towards us. We continue, and this is where we come to your question. Yes. For the peace from above. And for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. Actually, in the next petition. This peace which we ask for is not a worldly peace. Uh, in the world, it seems the only peace we can find ourselves is the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict, the absence of, okay, in the relations between states. You have wartime and peacetime. Unfortunately, there is no time in the history of the world when there wasn't wars going on somewhere or other. So we're looking for uh, a different kind of peace, a higher kind of peace, a deeper kind of peace. And uh, what we are, the way that is expressed is for the peace from above, the peace from on high. In other words, the peace of God. Uh, St. Paul, in one or more of his business, says, you know, the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and so on. Uh, but that, uh, that peace from above 
should come to us and sort of diffuse into the world around us. Okay. Third petition. This is yours, Malia. For the peace of the whole world. Okay. For the peace of the whole world. Almiria Segomira. Uh, this sounds uh, very special in Russian because uh, the word uh, the word mir has two distinct meanings: yeah? the world and peace. This is one of the things that makes uh, translation difficult. I very often, you know, when I was called upon to translate in the Archbishop's sermons, you know, and he uses the word mir, yeah, I'm kept guessing as to which meaning is he referring to. It's not always immediately ob obvious from the, con the immediate context. And uh, well, sometimes you get it right, and sometimes <laughs> you don't. It's very, but it's very interesting in Russians. It's the same word because mm. actually, from Christianity perspective, it should be the one one world mm. because uh, we have just united of all the people because we have literally of different people praying together, mm -hmm. and it's some kind of when. The sense was uh, on Great Thursday when the Christ uh, collect all his uh, uh, students or say apostles together and they prayed together. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was some, there is another Greek monk which who says that if there is enemy, which if someone has an enemy, it means that he rejects someone. Mm. And therefore, that person uh, put him out of the lap of God because uh, of the God is everywhere mm. and unifies everything. Mm -hmm. and which means that in this context, peace as a meal, uh, as a word, uh, is comes together. So it's, mm -hmm. it could, if we don't have a peace, we don't have uh, unity. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if there is no unity, sometimes we have, don't have is a real peace. Uh, we can come, uh, come together, but not pray together if mm. we don't have peace. That's why some uh, people that's, come to That's the why the, the most, uh, the strictest uh, rule uh, about uh, communion yeah, is that uh, you, you have to be, as far as possible, at peace with you cannot come and partake uh, of the Eucharist if your heart is filled with enmity, you know, hatred towards somebody else. That applies uh, first of all to the priest himself. Yeah, here we are. Right on page one in the priest service book, the liturgy book. When the priest desires to perform the divine mystery, that is, the liturgy, the Eucharist, he must first be at peace with all. 
have a pure heart, fast from the preceding evening, and remain in a proper spirit until the service. And that applies uh, not only to the priest, but to all of us. For the peace of the whole world, for the, uh, here, uh, in this translation, the welfare, uh, or the good estate, uh, or the stability, or the steadfastness of the holy churches of God, and for the union of all, let us pray to the Lord. This comes back to your point about being one, being uh, united. So we pray for the world as a whole, and specifically for the church, uh, and for the uh, union uh, of all. And I think in the context this is primarily an intra-church union. So may I ask a question? You know, I just heard that when they, before the churches were united, they, uh, Moscow Patriarchate and the, uh, the Orthodox Church abroad, they used to consecrate altars, you know, so does it mean that they were not in peace with each other? So by, by definition, they, they shouldn't the priests were not allowed to celebrate the liturgy, you know, because I it think was a historical fact, yes, that they did. Uh, I probably uh, there would be a distinction between uh, a, the, the personal and the ecclesial. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what is referred to here is what is in your heart in relation to everyone around and particularly your brothers and sisters in, in, in the church. Uh, we can, I think, hope that uh, those who felt theologically compelled mm. you know, to do that, uh, to reconsecrate the altar before celebrating it, were not motivated by personal animosity, but by a theological conviction that this was necessary. I think one that we wouldn't agree with, of course, but it's a, dis it's a distinction. Uh, nevertheless, of course, every uh, schism in the church uh, is bad. It's a scandal. Uh, but human beings being what they are, uh, it's been, uh, to a greater or lesser extent, uh, uh, an issue from the beginning. There's a wonderful little phrase, not in St. John Chrysostom's liturgy, but in St. Basil's liturgy, uh, where St. Basil prays, Lord, calm, O Lord, calm the quarrels of the churches. So there were uh, difficulties even in his own time. And we continue. Uh, and we're proceeding from the general to the particular, having prayed uh, for the whole world, for the church, for churches. Uh, now we pray for this holy house. Yeah, that means for our church here. Uh, and for those who entered 
How? With faith, reverence, and the fear of God. In other words, uh, we enter, we should enter, not casually, not as uh, tourists or spectators, but aware that the church, and by here we mean the, the temple, the church building is a holy place, a sacred place, a place of the special uh, presence uh, of God. And we must enter with the corresponding um, uh, reverence. So I mean by fear, fear of God. Yes, what does that mean? Again, just as peace, you know, is not uh, is something uh, deeper than the absence of war or conflict. So uh, the fear of God is not uh, um, just terror. It's not terror or fright. Um, I think. Uh, we think also of a famous uh, passage in the Bible uh, in Proverbs I think uh, uh, the fear of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom there is a a word uh, Another word in English, which I think is quite close to this sense, and that is awe. Yeah? Know that? A W E, awe. Some, we say, uh, in common parlance, something is awe inspiring. It can be something in nature or a work of art or uh, whatever. And I think that this is more what is, we sh how we should understand uh, uh, the, f the fear of God. But in Russian, it didn't mean like, because in Russian, like, obviously, strach, you got fear in the physical manner, you know, and you were just afraid of something. And people sometimes literally understand, yes, yeah, so we should just be afraid of God. And it's but again, uh, <laughs> language evolves, you see, and uh, mm -hmm. this is part of the problem with praying in Church Slavonic, if, if we were translating it into modern Russian, we might use a different word. Um, Some, sometimes it's also about we should just, uh, not only hear as uh, not only uh, listen, but also try to understand it and to try to apply it to us in terms of remember that we will have to answer as a mm. judgment mm. We'll, at the end someday we will have to answer or, or because uh, Father just said it's about a lot of wisdom which means that uh, um, just remember what what role has been given to us and if we just abuse that role and uh, just abuse mm. the rules which was given mm. to us well, it's good to 
remember not to write any social rules, not to behave badly, and to remember about sex. In social life, sometimes something happens, punishment, not always a come, but it's spiritual way, it's, uh, uh, can be escaped. I think this is it's like respect, but in a yeah. very high yeah. degree. It's just the um, same, like you use the word respect, I feel like it's like a trust and yeah. faith. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean, obviously we use the word of fear, but it doesn't mean that way. Yeah. It's, it's the faith. Yeah. Again, even in ordinary human relations, we can say, you know, we can be, uh, as when you said, uh, afraid, to hurt somebody whom we love. Like with parents, yes, yes we know if we do something bad, they will be upset, so... <laughs> yes, I, I don't quite like the... Yeah, I would like to use the term upset in relation to uh, God, of course. But, but however, at the end of the day, you know, we mustn't... Uh, uh, we mustn't turn uh, God into a sort of celestial teddy bear. Uh, it, and M Metropolitan Anthony said, you know, the God, it's an analogy, of course, something like, you know, uh, God is more like a, a lion than a pussycat. Uh, one worrying uh, and clearly uh, wrong tendency in contemporary. Uh, spirituality in certain corners of the uh, Christian world is a tendency to you know, bring God down to our level. Mm. To pray in a word in a way that is like just like chatting with God, you know, like here my God is there, and we're just having a nice cozy talk. No, that, that was I. I feel like we feel that He is above everything. Yes. And he's in control of everything, and as a, you know, part of this universe, mm -hmm. world, even if we have some power or some, you know, pride, we cannot exceed that because mm -hmm. at the end he's above everything. Mm -hmm. So that's like he is in control of everything, and again, mm -hmm. it's like go back. It goes back yes. to fear, you know, just knows that he's. So, a, I think that this is uh, how we should. 
understand this uh, concept of the uh, the fear of God. Yeah, a deep uh, respect, a deep reverence, uh, and a seriousness. You know, uh, in coming to stand kneel or whatever before God. It expresses itself in some very practical ways. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, when the priest or the deacon or the server enters the uh, sanctuary, which is the, the Holy of Holies, Analogous, uh, analog of the Holy of Holies in the Jewish temple. You know, we don't just wander in casually. Uh, uh, we get down on our knees, we make a full prostration to the ground in the direction of the altar table where the sacrament is. And not once, but three times. To remind ourselves, and even physically, that we are <laughs> in the very immediate uh, presence of the the holy. Uh, good. Uh, now uh, we start to pray for people in particular. Uh, so, uh, in our usage for our great Lord and Father, the Most Holy Patriarch Kirill, for our Lord, the Most Reverend Archbishop Yenisei, for the Honourable Order of Presbyters, that's the priests, the Deacon, the Diaconate in Christ, for all the clergy and the people, let us pray to the Lord. It's very important that we pray constantly, uh, for those in positions of uh, special responsibility in the church, those who carry the heaviest burdens. So for the uh, for the patriarch, for the bishop, yes, for the priests, uh, the deacons, uh, but for all of us, it's it's uh, absolutely inclusive but just mentions people according to their different functions in the church. Next, for uh, the civil authorities. Uh, this is an American book, it says, For the President of our country, we say for our Sovereign Lady, Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Uh, for the government, for the armed forces, and, and so on, all in civil authority. Here we are simply following the uh, apostolic injunction. Yeah. Paul, first epistle to Timothy says that uh, instructs his people yeah, to pray uh, for the uh, yes, for for kings and all in authority. This may seem a little surprising, because after all, uh, 
Paul was writing that in, say, around 60 AD, who was the emperor? Yes. Nero. About as nasty piece of work as you could imagine. And Paul says, pray for him. Interesting. Mm. So one at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, the idea seems to be that there is somehow uh, in however distorted a form the uh, the civil power uh, is also under the uh, aegis of God's providence. After all, Christ, yeah, standing on before Pilate, Pilate says, and he won't. It's not answering the questions. You know? And Pilate says, uh, okay, so you're not going to talk to me? Don't you understand? I have power to, cru to release you and power to crucify you. Come and get real here. <laughs> what does Jesus say? This is what is given to you by God. Yeah, you would have no... So Jesus is, is saying that... Uh, Pilate's power, the power of the Roman Empire, it's given by God. At least uh, allowed by the divine providence. And therefore, Paul says we must pray that that power will be used, of course, uh, wisely and justly, and not arbitrarily and in an evil Uh, then, very uh, locally, for this city, for every city and country, or perhaps for uh, those who live in the country, outside the cities, and for the faithful dwelling in them, that means the Christians, let us pray to the Lord. I have to say that this petition has become, for me personally, much more acute, much, uh, if you like, more uh, real, uh, since, sadly, in the last years in our own city here in London, we've had uh, so many terrible uh, events. Terrorism and so on that put people's lives uh, in danger. It's important, I think, that we pray uh, quite realistically and quite seriously uh, about about that. Then, yes, for the weather, we pray about the weather for seasonable weather. Uh, 
which has, has been happening recently. How, what should we say like when something well, that, happens? Well, uh, that, that we will be kept, that our city yeah, will be kept safe from such threats. That uh, that power of uh, evil would be contained, constrained, not given a free run. Or how how we pray that those people who are uh, who are obviously attacking others, how 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 we pray, what we should say that God stop them. <laughs> I don't know what certain thing that we should repeat or we should. Our prayers. Well, uh, we are simply praying for the safety of the place where we live and the people who live there. About those who pose a threat or carry out such uh, awful things, we can only pray that God would you know, change their uh, warped uh, mentalities you know, to understand that what they're doing is uh, evil. Uh, yes, for seasonable weather. No. It's only just made the connection uh, again. Uh, now we have a lot of weather that is not seasonable. Seasonable. Climate change and so on. So perhaps this, well definitely, this all also has to be within the uh, scope of our prayer. The world, the planet, you know, is at risk uh, because of the uh, process of climate change. And people are at risk. You know, people's livelihoods, people's lives are uh, at stake here. Seized with the abundance of the fruits of the earth um, and for peaceful Peaceful times. Again, uh, you can read this in two uh, ways, just in, uh, in the meteorological sense, or more generally, that we would have, have uh, uh, peace, uh, again, in the, uh, in the world, in society, in our own uh, communities and families. Next, uh, for... Travelers, slightly updated here, by, by land, by sea, and by air. Some places they also now are by, in space, because there are people <laughs> circling around up there in, the, uh, in orbit. Uh, traveling, perhaps, you know, we, we're not sensitive to this as much as pe people in former times. Now you can travel easily and safely on the whole for all kinds of places. But uh, in former times, traveling, journeys, uh, voyages by sea were a very serious business. And definitely not everyone who set out came back. We have a special service of prayer in, in the uh, service book for the those who are about to go on a journey. And it's very clear, this was a very 
serious undertaking that could take a long time, could involve all kinds of um, perils. Uh, and we pray that God would bring them back safely once they have you know, successfully accomplished whatever it was that they set out to do. For the sick and the suffering, well that's perennial. Uh, also for, uh, for captives or prisoners and their salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Uh, this is also uh, very uh, actual. There are people who are uh, in captivity unjustly, uh, both within and outside the judicial system. For example, in, just within the church context. And if you remember, uh, in Syria, about, gosh, almost five years ago, I think already, there were two bishops who were kidnapped, you know, have not been seen since. Uh, Metropolitan Paul uh, of Aleppo, who is the brother of the present Patriarch of Antioch, and uh, the Syrian uh, Orthodox Bishop of the same city. Uh, important to remember those people. Uh, and also those who are simply you know, um, in prison for whatever. It's a very uh, critical time uh, for people to be deprived of their freedom, sometimes for long periods of time, justly or, uh, or, or otherwise, because mistakes are made, and these people need our prayers. Uh, okay. Well, uh, the, the, we, 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 we are grouping people. Uh, we, we begin so with this very general uh, prayer for peace, for peace from on, from on, on high from heaven, uh, for the peace of the world, uh, for the peace of the church, uh, for the people who are actually gathering together uh, in this particular church for praying for the church hierarchy, for the civil authorities. So there, there is a move uh, from the general to the, broadly speaking, not absolutely uh, uniformly, from, from the general to the particular. And the wonderful thing about this is that what, uh, whatever, I think, whatever uh, concern you might have individually, 
uh, in your heart. It's beautiful. You can attach to one or another of these petitions. It's a structure, a framework, into which we can uh, insert our own personal con uh, concerns. Uh, finally, coming towards the uh, the end, uh, for our deliverance from all affliction, wrath, danger, and necessity, let us pray to the Lord. You know, that's from any conceivable kind of trouble that we might get into or might be subject, subject to in one way or another, we ask to be delivered. So, you might say this is where we could insert our own uh, personal uh, situations or concerns, or those close to us. Uh, it's probably unusual uh, situation if we personally uh, and everybody we are close to, everybody we are careful in one way or another, uh, that everything is just fine with us and them. I think life on the whole doesn't work like that. If it is, well, we give thanks. But there are always uh, people uh, in need of our prayers. Help us, uh, help us, save us, have mercy on us, and keep us, O oh God, by thy grace. Here we sort of sum, gather everything up, yes, summarize. Uh, again, the, the languages are interesting here. How is it in, uh, you remember in, in Russian? Zastupi, spasi, pamil. Zastupi, spasi, pamil, i sakhrani nas Boži, tvoje blagodatje. The very first word here, zastupi, zastupnik, zastupnica. One who comes to your aid when you are in trouble, comes to help you out. Probably all of us have had some experience of that. When we've been in a difficult situation, somebody's actually come along and helped us to sort it out, one way or another. Uh, and then finally, yes, commemorating our most holy, most pure, most blessed and glorious. Lady, the Mother of God and Ever-Virgin Mary, with all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life unto Christ our God.
Now here it takes a, a slightly different turn. Uh, commemorated. <coughs> We are calling to remembrance who? The Mother of God and all the saints. We, as it were, remind ourselves that we pray uh, in church, not uh, individually, but collectively, corporately. Corporately means part of a body. And the body that we are part of, the body of Christ, uh, includes, uh, first of all, the Mother of God, all the saints. Uh, and perhaps here, actually, I think definitely here, uh, the word saints is used in its general rather than particular sense. What I mean. Uh, of course we think after the Mother of God, first of all, of all the recognized, uh, canonized saints. That great cloud of witnesses of which the Apostle to the Hebrews uh, speaks. But let's remember that we are all, uh, at least in principle and by uh, vocation, saints, those who are uh, set apart, called uh, apart, called to be holy, called to be consecrated to God, which is why the Apostle Paul, as I've mentioned on very many occasions to you, uh, writes to his uh, people uh, using exactly this word, saints, agioi in Greek. The saints at Corinth, the saints at Rome, and so on. Or sometimes those who are called to be saints. Uh, it's uh, wrong to make uh, an absolute distinction between the recognized saints and the rest of us. Because actually by this we are just letting ourselves off the hook. Hmm? Uh, uh, stepping aside from our own uh, vocation, our own calling to uh, holiness. Let us uh, commend ourselves. Commend doesn't quite ring true in English. Entrust ourselves, I think, is better. Uh, and it says here each other, but one another is better in English. Uh, and all our life unto Christ our God. This uh, Entrusting ourselves to God uh, is at the heart of what it is to be, to Christ, uh, is at the heart of what it is to be a Christian. It's the essential 
meaning of faith, having faith. Not believing in a general way that yes, you know, God exists and all the rest of it. Uh, but uh, having uh, entrusting ourselves to God in the same way in which sometimes uh, we are able to entrust ourselves to someone else. But this commend sort of suggests there's there's a question there. The kind of the recommending almost is that kind of we're hoping. Probably uh, if we were able to step back a few centuries and look at the use of the word in some Jacobean English. It would make more sense. Yeah. It's like we're uh, offering something. For example, uh, Saint Paul in one of his epistles says, "I commend to you, uh, I think, uh, our sister Phoebe, who is a deaconess of the church, somebody known to him, who was travelling to the place, the people, to where he was writing to." And entrust, you know, this person to right. your care. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, wait, we must come to I can see it now that this is going to take a lot longer than three times. <laughs> 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 okay. um, uh, I won't, we won't go through every single litany in such detail. This is a, a, a sort of exemplary study. Uh, and the reply to this petition now, of course, is to the O Lord. Yeah. We commend ourselves to Christ, to the O Lord. <clears throat> now, uh, while this is, uh, while the deacon, uh, and here we see the special role of the deacon in leading the prayer of the church, prayer of the people, uh, it's a very uh, wonderful, <coughs> beautiful thing. Uh, there is a prayer uh, which the priest has to read. Uh, now, you only hear, generally speaking, the last sentence, yeah, what we call the exclamation, the voslas. For unto thee I do all glory and worship to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. But that's only the ending of the prayer. Now, let me read you. Uh, the priest reads quiet in the altar. O Lord our God, thy power is incomparable, thy glory is incomprehensible, thy mercy is immeasurable, thy love for man is inexpressible. Look down on us and on this holy house with pity, O Master and impart the riches of thy mercy and thy compassion to us and to those who are praying with us. It's a beautiful uh, prayer which the priest prays uh, to God to uh, look upon us to, uh, with compassion yeah, and to uh, accept our prayer.
I have uh, some notes in the margin which I made years ago when I was studying the liturgy. The uh, scriptural references, because a great deal of what we hear in the prayer of the church is drawn from here, from the from the Bible. And as I said before, never let anyone tell you that orthodoxy is not a quote-unquote biblical church. So there's a reference here, and I can't remember myself what, what is the reference exactly to. I think it's something to do with Solomon, to the first book of Chronicles, yeah. uh, which begins on page 455. It's an interesting <coughs> test of how well we know our Bibles, the extent to which we can recognize uh, these references. Unfortunately, generally speaking, the answer is we don't know them very well, and we should do something about Look this up before. Here we go. Uh, generally speaking, this is from uh, <coughs> a reference to King David and the construction of the first temple in Jerusalem. There's a prayer. Uh, King David blessed the Lord, saying, Blessed art thou. O Lord God of Israel, our Father, unto the ages of ages. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the light. You are master of all that is in heaven and on earth. And so on and so forth. In, not, it's not a verbal quotation, but a, in the same uh, spirit. There are other references there to St. Paul's epistles to the Romans and the Ephesians, but we have time to look in detail. So the prayer, uh, the church prays together. Together, the the deacon, the priest, and the people in this uh, great 
great litany of peace, which introduces the divine liturgy. And with that, I shall kind of turn in for tonight.